Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And it's good to be with you, uh, even with my random hand gestures about the background music no, here, we, I don't which know our listeners can't this. see. So we have this Roadcaster 9000 uh, recording um, equipment. It's very streamlined. Because of that, we have no post-production editing, which, thank God... Maybe this is going to be the, the episode where we need to, but thank God we've never really had to. We <laughs> don't have kinda, the time for we it. We don't have the time, and we just kind of right. roll with it. But we, because of that, we click the record button and then click the intro music. Mm-hmm. So if you're an int- if you're a pro intro music person and listen to it every time, you're with us because we listen to it every single time. Yes. But it's really fun because you were just like... <laughs> Playing the keyboard along with the last few notes of the intro music. Well, I'm a piano player, and it just like ah, the it fingers just comes out. You can't just help yourself. Comes out. It used to be all the time. Ah. But I'm trying to control myself. I'm I'm hesitant to refer to myself as a trumpet player because I haven't played it for a long time. Okay, but I recently picked it up again because um, my intention was to is to uh, play maybe a little bit for Our Lady Guadalupe mm. for Spanish Mass. So the I'm sure you've heard it. It's called La Guadalupana. A mariachi sure. classic. We don't have a mariachi band. And I'm like, I can get through just this little, this little, right on my trumpet. Yeah. Can so you? I was practicing. You got the chops for it still? Well, yeah. I mean, it's definitely like a muscle that's when it's not practiced. I forgot, like, especially a, a, a horn, a, a brass instrument, so much in your mouth, the muscles that are in your face that are used. So I played it for like 10 minutes and was kind of sore already. Um, but it comes back like riding a bike. Congratulations. In the same, um, vein as Mexican trumpet mariachi music, I think I have a new favorite beverage. Really? I do. That's a big deal. Cause we're always commenting. Well, you on are beverage a beverage choices. aficionado here. Yeah, right. So I don't know what it's called. So listeners, I know we, we have a, I know we have a, a Mexican listener from Sioux center. You could please write it and tell us what this is called. Cause I love it. So tamales, are often made for like celebrations mm-hmm. because one does not whip up like a couple tamales. No, it's an event. It's like hundreds of tamales. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and it, it's a lot that goes into Very it. labor intensive. But you have this massive mound of like corn flour dough that goes into the, the corn husk and gringos out there. You don't eat the corn husk. So like usually tamales are wrapped in a corn husk or a banana leaf. Mm-hmm. Don't eat that. You look right. like a noob if you start trying to gnaw on a corn right. husk. They don't. You can't eat a corn husk nope. or a corn leaf. No. Nope. <clears throat> so leave it that. They just help you to steam the corn husk. <laughs> Get excited <laughs> with the sound effect there. Well, there was a few options, but with the moments let passed, come, keep let going. Let them come. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you some more opportunities. <laughs> but what I think I've learned is that you know you've got all these. It's probably not a perfect proportion of like we use every last bit of this corn uh, flour paste. Right. So I think they put the leftover cornflour stuff into hot chocolate they do indeed. it's so good so you've had this before no but i've seen it served yes and i've seen it on television yeah um yeah it's quite so what's interesting about it is it's made with it's like milk and chocolate so it's really rich and delicious but there's also a texture that comes from it and i thought at first that'd be weird but i just had some recently after immaculate conception and it was phenomenal mm-hmm. it just hit the spot it was great 
I was running off to go to dinner with uh, with some friends right afterwards, but I just like threw back this cup of hot chocolate with some tamale stuff. <laughs> it was, and it's now it a hit favorite. Was, it was so good. It was so good. Is that actually going to become your, become your new kind of beverage of choice I, in the morning? That's like such a specific thing to make that I don't think I can just, you know, have like oh, a... Not at six in the morning or something. Well, also, I mean, it's like in the in the context of making thousands of tamales is when this stuff comes out it's a convivial drink it right? really is it yeah. really is yeah so it was, it was wonderful <laughs> it was it was good so i was just happy to share well you take your beverages beverage seriously adventure. so when you like something this is a big deal it was it's it a is a big deal i mean yeah. we, there were the amount of coffee makers that you've gone through and the right. bean grinders and everything I all mean, the bean grinders right? yeah this um, is a big deal there so there's of course some tamales left in the fridge if you want to take some when you leave okay thank you okay, yeah, appreciate it <laughs> i'll slide some in your suitcase there with your my equipment equipment there right? thank you good um you know in this great christmas season ah in the dark Merry christmas to yes one and all. in the darkness of this entire time um in which you know, literally through sonar or solar calendar, like it's the darkest time of the year, right? Yeah, least it's, amount of it's sunlight felt too, right? Uh, the church has this wonderful celebration of Christmas, mm. um, in which the light of faith shines forth, as we know that God has visited His people, quite literally, with the gift of the incarnation, the gift of a Savior for all of humanity. And in this light um, that we believe so strongly in faith. That response of faith becomes the substance, kind of uh, becomes the prompting of future hope, right? Mm-hmm. And I just want to focus our attention um, today in this episode on the virtue of hope and its necessity in in a, in a world that is growing increasingly dark. Yeah. Um, or at least, perhaps better said, um, the morale of people. I think as they interpret American culture, government, politics. Uh, entertainment, cele- several celebrity world, certainly the church. I think we, are, you know, surrounded with people who have to constantly be reminded of the virtue of hope, yeah, and and the need for it. Um, you know, so so what is hope? Um, obviously linked very very deeply to faith. You know, the content of faith is that which propels us forward and keeps us looking towards the future. But I think in its essence, it's the assurance that God keeps His promises. Absolutely right. That there is, uh, there is a bright day coming, there is a fulfillment, um, there's a satisfaction that only God can, can provide, and that which you're yearning for most deeply, and the, and the peace and the joy for which you were created, and the glory and destiny to which you're called, all of that is going to be fulfilled. And the hope that is rising up consistently within us is that which links us to that future glory, to that fulfillment of the promise. Yeah. So it's very forward-looking. Hope is not, I think, you know, what, what is so often uh, portrayed as optimism. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, if you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, it's going to get easier. It's going right. to get better. You will will your future destiny. If you just try hard enough and believe, right. just believe, you know, sprinkle your fairy dust in this magical time of year and just believe. Yeah, just make it, you make it a good day. Yeah. You, you're gonna have, we're going to have a good day, a good positive day, and, and you're going to make that happen, right? Right. And hope is going to say, no, the fulfillment comes outside of oneself. The fulfillment comes by gift of God in his kingdom, not that which we're creating. Um, you know, especially just given the, the great discrepancies among peoples, uh, you know, someone who can't fulfill their own destinies, maybe doesn't have the talent, maybe doesn't have the aptitude, maybe doesn't have the resources to do everything they want to, 
Hope is saying, well, that doesn't matter. There's, there's a deeper fulfillment and a, and a more lasting and sustainable joy that comes from without you, outside of you. Um, and that's what hope keeps its eyes focused on. Uh, so in this, in this great Christmas season, uh, we look forward yeah. in the, because of the gift that has been given to us, because salvation in, has literally become incarnate and has walked the face of the earth, that propels us forward, knowing that we will see this, this incarnate God once again. And, and that Christ our glory will be seen face to face in the light of heaven. Right. Um, that has to be stated over and over and over again in the midst of a world in which I think so many feel like darkness is closing in on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the church has to say to the world in every age. In every age that the church has been present in every place in the world. Um, Christians hold up hope. That, that's what we have to give. We can we can in different times in different places in the world in different times of the church we've been able to give education and build up institutions of art of culture of music we've been able to curate a lot of the growth in those things and architecture but every age is hope mm-hmm. and sometimes it comes out through architecture and beauty in the liturgy sometimes it came out through um, philosophical discourse and understanding the world in a deeper way sometimes it came out through science. Right when we see in the different um, turns of the centuries with more scientific um, discoveries, but in the midst of all those different topics, all those different ways of understanding the world, the Christian in the midst of any of those um, experiences says, "No, look, but this this is evidence of the assurance that God is loving and faithful, and that what He has done in the past, He's still doing right now, mm-hmm. and He's just as faithful now, and He will be as faithful in the future." Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a like a powerful witness that the church continues to have and that the world needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think it's very easy to get fixated on the darkness. Absolutely. You know, we can get fixated on looking at all the weeds growing in, uh, in the midst of the wheat. Um, and, and the darkness is formidable. And we have a lot of listeners. There's a lot of outcast Catholics out there who feel like they're, they're kind of being enclosed in by the darkness quite quickly and, and fiercely. And they also feel like perhaps the resources aren't there to back them up or they're, they're getting enclosed kind of alone, you know. Um, and, and hope doesn't deny that experience. Right. It doesn't say just ignore that. Just right. Say, yeah, we don't, we don't minimize that, right. you know. Uh, the experiences that they're, they're, they're having, you know, we just don't poo-poo that and say, oh, they're there, it's going to be okay. Just think, yeah, just good vibes only. Whoa, whoa, stop being so negative. Right. But I think hope has to recognize that, okay, if you feel like the darkness is closing in on you, well, the, the brightness of the light need not be trampled upon, yeah. you know? I was with our high school discernment group, our Frasati squad, recently, and we were talking about the virtue of hope and how necessary it is for anyone growing in Christian virtue. And if anyone's called to a religious vocation, they're certainly going to have to be filled with an enormous sense of the virtue of hope in order to share with, what, share with others. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't share with other, others what, what you yourself don't have. So we were talking about this virtue of hope. And I just kind of gave a, a quick little um, example. I said, say you're driving alone and it's late at night and you're in a dark forest and your car breaks down and you don't really have cell phone coverage. Um, and you, you, there's just no way for you to kind of, you know, survive there. So you start walking. Mm. And you're, you're walking, you're looking for a home. You're looking for a lodge, a motel, something to find shelter in, something, some way to find help or, or aid for your car. And then off in the distance, miles away, you start to see a home. 
and there is a light on in the porch. Obviously, you're going to fixate your attention on the quickest and most expedient way to get to that light. You want to get to that home. You want to reach safety. You want to reach security. What you're not going to do in that moment is all of a sudden wander off into the into the forest and get get fixated on, gee, look how dark and scary the forest yeah, is right now. Pay attention to the forest. You're no, just, you're, you're like despite the forest, it could be like slapping you in the face with the trees. You're going to keep running towards that light. Right. And and your pace might actually increase yeah. in the anticipation of that which is coming, in the assurance that there is going to be uh, safety and security found there. Yeah. Right? Um, you don't stop and say, oh, gee, let's fixate on the darkness right now. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not just going to hang out here and just look at dark trees all night. Th- that's not what happens. But w- we can let that happen to us spiritually and emotionally, mentally, in which all of a sudden the darkness of this world, especially if we catastrophize some of the challenges that we're up against in the church, uh, we, we get fixated in this dark forest. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Make sure your compass is ordered towards the light and walk forward in that assurance. Mm-hmm. And do not give up on that virtue of hope. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking now the the nautical analogy that's just been used so often because mm-hmm. a lighthouse is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yours is more probably a helpful Midwest analogy since we don't have lighthouses anywhere. Very few. Uh, a storm like Iowa has a random one that's yeah. outside of town. You'd have to get up to the Great Lakes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but that language, because so much of the world is on the coasts of, of oceans and seas, mm-hmm. that's that's been made an analogy of the church, right? That like the church, this bark, this, this ship of Peter, is tossed around by the waves of this world but then it's still heading toward this harbor of heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the light of Christ is, that, is, this, um, is this lighthouse. But what's great is it's not, it's not just way off there. And I think some people assume that God is just way off somewhere, and while we're in the darkness, well, okay, the light's way off down the road, and we just have to like fight or struggle by ourselves. No, no, no. Given the Holy Spirit who's with us, it's like, okay, we see the light of that house through the lighthouse, but the Holy Spirit's with us in the midst of the darkness. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's way off there and we just have to work really hard, kind of like keep our chin up and just really be really positive as we struggle through the darkness or as the waves toss us. All right. Yeah. And I like what you said earlier about as you start to run towards that bright light on the front porch of that house that's found in the forest, you're not going to be worrying about like what branches are slapping you in the face or, or no one's going to just pull up and say, oh, gee, there's a creek I have to cross here. Well, I guess I'll just stop because there was an obstacle I can see the light. There it is. There's my security. There's my home base resting point. But, oh, gee, there's a creek here, and I don't want to get wet. I don't want to get muddy, so I just, I'll just i hang up here and sit in the darkness. But I think that's what people can do spiritually at times. You know, I think they can kind of become very consuming, um, which damages not only their, their, their embrace of hope, but it also becomes something uh, that doesn't really keep their faith alive either. They can start to question what is the content for which I base my hope on in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to keep pushing the nautical analogy, but I'm just thinking again too of, um, nope, just lost it. Something with waves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Got it. St. Therese of Lisieux said, mm-hmm. the world is thy ship, not thy home. If, the, if this world was our home, if this is all we had, then yeah, the darkness should really trample us down because this, mm-hmm. is, this is it. And as, as the scriptures say, the world as we know it is passing away. Right. But praise God, there's an assurance of something that's to come. Um, the kingdom of heaven that's already established now in the world in our midst, but not yet fully realized. And it's the hope of that there's some greater fulfillment to happen that's coming in the future. Mm-hmm. 
And I think with that sense of hope, I think we also have to recognize um, if you're if you're feeling a little dark, you know, and if hope seems to be a bit tenuous in your in your life, well, do not be afraid to to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fulfill that more deeply. We know that hope is one of the great theological virtues. So wanting to to live a life of grace, wanting to be in union and communion with God, don't be afraid to ask for an increase of that hope, all right? Mm -hmm. But then also really practically, I think it's good for myself, for you, all our listeners to recognize sitting around and complaining about the darkness does not actually get you to the light. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nor does it actually, you know, make the, the, the light of hope burn more brightly. You know, sitting around and complaining about, gee, look how dark this forest is. I wonder if it's going to get any darker. Well, that, that doesn't actually help foster deeper hope, right? Uh, but we can do this, you know, and, and it's very easy to get cynical about the darkness of the age and, and, and focus on the weeds, as I say earlier. But that spirit of complaining or that bitterness that can set in about the struggles at hand or the challenges that lay ahead, that doesn't actually, you know, help the gift of hope at all. Right. In fact, it can, it can start to minimize that quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's a difference between, this is like often said in community life and seminaries, religious life, or just the Christian life. There's a big difference between complaining and like processing. It's okay to talk about like the need for um, light. It's okay to point out the areas of darkness that need the light of Christ to shine in there. But like you said, not to just fixate all of our attention on that. Mm-hmm. Because that just gives so much attention to evil one, the father of lies, the, like the prince of darkness, right? Rather than Jesus, the mm-hmm. light of the world. Um, so to focus on how the light of Christ is being shown into places of darkness is great because the, the preference is given to Christ in that moment, not the darkness. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So for all of our listeners in this Christmas season, you know, uh, please keep the light of faith and a light of hope burning very, very brightly. Uh, the world needs it. Um, Hearts and minds need it. Uh, we have to be living witnesses of this faith and hope in order to show the world as credible testimonials that the, that salvation really has arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep those lights, literally in the, the, the Christmas decorations that are you know perhaps on your home right now, keep those lights burning brightly. But more importantly, uh, I would keep the light of faith and the light of hope burning very, very brightly in your heart. And do not succumb to all the discouragement and the distractions that the darkness of this world, you know, can tempt you with. Uh, the evil one really wants that, as you just pointed out earlier. And it's not helpful towards your own, um, your own Christian journey, towards your own journey of holiness, but it's also certainly not helpful for what the world desperately needs, strong beacons of hope in every community, in every parish, in every workplace, and in every family. Yeah, it's really helpful. Well, it's it's helpful for me and in, in talking. Uh, I about, said hopeful, but it's well, also helpful. Well, it's it's hopeful and helpful for me. I have to keep reminding myself all of this, uh, as I think we all do, right? You know? Well, you know, there's something just lastly to say that like the whole like positive thing, just being being really optimistic or whatever. Yeah, people with different temperaments have a different kind of disposition to maybe focus on the light or the darkness. Um, but either way, we're not just locked into being like oh, you're just the optimistic one, so you need to like cheer everybody up all the time. No, it's okay to recognize that life's difficult, mm-hmm. right? And if, you, if you're more melancholic and have the tendency to focus on that which is dark, that's okay. But like we can recognize those things and then still turn with those to Christ. Mm-hmm. If we have more of a like propensity to see the darkness, then we have more of an ability to offer that to Christ and allow him to shine his light there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have that kind of more 
you know, for a little bit more cheery disposition and can focus on the, the positive light, great. Then help others who are a little bit more like bogged down by the dark parts of this, this world. Right. Yeah, because even if you are that melancholic who kind of tends towards um, that heaviness, the light still shines there and you actually might have a greater appreciation of that which has been redeemed. Mm-hmm. You know, you might see the the deep, deep sellers um, of this world into which the light has gone, into mm-hmm. those depths, into those pains, into those realities, uh, and therefore can appreciate the gift of salvation even more. Right. So the light keeps burning no matter how how connected or dark, you know, the darkness itself seems towards you. Right. You know. Good thoughts, Father Travis. Well said. It's good to be with you. Uh Merry Christmas to all of our listeners and happy new year. Hopefully uh the sense of hope mm-hmm. uh continues to burn brightly in the many graces that God wants to give you, to give to your parish, give to your families and the entire church. Amen. That's beautiful. Very hopeful. God bless everybody. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.